Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your co-hosts are Clint Walkner and Nate Condon, the co-owners and financial advisors at Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This is a podcast series dedicated to illuminate some of the darkness around fees, conflicts of interest, and the motivation behind recommendations in the financial planning industry. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we are talking about the first piece of major legislation that has now been signed by President Trump. We are, of course, talking about tax uh, legislation today. We wanted to take some time and kind of hit the broad strokes of the tax legislation and hopefully fill in some of the gaps that uh, you might have questions about or at least uh, want some more information on. That's right. We're going to focus a little bit more on the uh, individual tax reform portion of the bill. Um, as most of you know, they're listening to this uh, podcast, the corporate tax rate is going down as well. Um, it's going from 35% to 21%. We're not going to spend a lot of time in this podcast uh, breaking that down. I mean, overall, I think you'll see from the stock market that's definitely had an increase in the stock market leading up to the passage of the tax reform bill. Uh, primarily feeling that it is positive for a business perspective and that uh, it'll lead to higher earnings. So we saw the stock market go up essentially you know, a lot in 2017 with the expectation that this was going to be able to get done. One of the few pieces of legislation that did be able to get past uh, the Senate and the House, and it was signed into law by President Trump, so this is happening. Uh, the one thing to note is that the corporate tax rates going to the lower rate is a permanent fix. Uh, to the tax code, and uh, the, everything we're talking about is going to sunset, and it, it's going to expire in 2026 for personal taxes. It's important to understand that in this podcast, we're not going to um, level our personal opinion in regard to the politics of the bill. Um, you know whether or not we, um, you know, think it's a, a fantastic piece of legislation, whether it's a horrible piece of legislation. That, that's not the goal of the podcast today. Really, what we're trying to do is just give people. Uh, some information and um, more so kind of everyday usable information uh, as to what's in the tax bill. Obviously, it's expansive. It's um, incredibly long and, and um, you know, it'll probably take a week to read the entire thing. The goal today is really to just give people information that they can use as we enter into uh, kind of a new phase of, of tax law in the United States. Yeah, and speaking from the perspective of um, things that are going to help out families or things that might have been a bit more surprising in the bill, uh, Jonathan, is there something that you thought was particularly interesting in the tax bill that you think will have a, an impact on how families plan for their finances? Um, I definitely I definitely do, and I know with, with our situations with us having kids, I think, understanding how we've taken the standard deduction in the past, <clears throat> seeing how itemizing deductions can affect, you know, what our actual tax liability is going to be. I know for one, they pretty much essentially doubled the standard deduction for single taxpayers from 6,350 to 12,000 and for for joint filers from 13,700 to 24,000. I think that's one of the initial um, areas where I I noticed that most of our clients and people that I talk to are going to benefit from this, having that extra additional deduction on, on there. In addition to the uh, additional deduction, um, there was some 
hand-wringing on how they were going to make some of this work because there was, a, there was definitely an issue with people that had more kids. So, John, then you have four kids. And by raising the standard deduction, that sounds great, but then they were going to really limit that uh, deduction or that, uh, I'm sorry, credit for children, and uh, that dependent care credit is pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the other kind of, um, couple points that'll that'll hit people where they maybe didn't realize it because it wasn't talked about a great deal um, in the uh, the horse trading that was going on before the bill got passed. Um, kind of some smaller things, but yet pretty impactful things. You know, one uh, that kind of surprised us was um, you know the removing of alimony as a deductible item. Uh, again, it's it's maybe doesn't affect everybody. Uh, obviously. You need to be divorced to to be paying alimony, and not everybody that's even divorced is paying alimony. But for those that are, uh, and that used to be a deductible item, and no longer is a deductible item, uh, you know that that's the kind of um, uh, kind of nuance of the tax law that, that I don't know that everybody is quite aware of, and uh, that that's going to hit some people uh, pretty hard. Well, <laughs> it's going to be interesting from the standpoint of planning out divorces. So uh, basically, divorces have to be finalized. Um, in 2018 uh, to allow for the deduction of alimony. So divorces finalized after 2018 do not allow for a deduction for alimony, nor do they recognize alimony as income, which, uh, so there you go. So if you want to get divorced, depending on what side you're on, either hurry up or slow it down. Get on it. Get on it. You've got, uh, what, uh, three or four days left here. So No, it's 2018. Another another thing about that, too, that came in this legislation is what they've done with the estate tax and doubling it. And, and essentially making it so the majority of people out there are not going to be paying estate tax based on the way current law is. But it brings me back to why that stuff matters. Back in 2010 was the one year under uh, the previous, under uh, George, a., George W. Bush's legislation where there was one year that they did not have an estate tax. Happened to be the year that George Steinbrenner died and saved about a half a billion dollars. He was so, so good at everything he did. He was. So he even picked the right year to to, to you know take off, and then in 2011 the um, the new levels went back into place. So, but that's one thing moving forward though in this legislation that's been passed and now it's in law is that the estate tax is essentially now doubled. So you're looking at around 11 million dollar exemption per person. That's a huge exemption. I mean, I you know for the vast majority of of people that are in that you know I would say moderate net worth to even higher net worth, they're not going to be subject to that estate tax. So. Um, it does not mean that estate tax planning is not important, but it does mean that the estate tax is not going to end up, uh, in, it's probably not going to ensnare a whole lot, a lot of people going forward. They also um, did some you know, increases in the alternative minimum tax. So that's one of the things I think for the middle class um, and upper middle class people that found themselves subject to the AMT, uh, this is a huge change for them in that uh, the AMT is really not going to start phasing until after a million dollars of uh, of joint taxable income. So, you know, it really does help out a lot of people uh, that were in that category. And I do think that one of the ancillary benefits of the tax bill is that we are going to see a lot more people take the standard deduction. So uh, one thing that the Republicans set out to do was to simplify the tax code. I don't see in any way, shape, or form how that was accomplished. But I will say from the caveat of there will be more people uh, using the standard deduction. So we added a ton of complexity to the, to the tax bill, but we are going to add a lot more standard deduction people, which makes uh, tax the tax forms uh, a lot less onerous for them. Yes, yeah, it's, it's also just changing gears to to uh, people that own homes. Um, 
you know, is, is it as good for people that own homes? Again, that can be debated. There's a lot of things that, that were changed in regard to uh, interest, in regard to what you can deduct and what you cannot deduct. Uh, one interesting one is, and again, we'll say this with a caveat of it's, it's more complex than, than um, how we're representing it here, but in some cases, home equity loans are no longer tax deductible. Uh, the, com- the complexity really centers around whether or not that money was used to purchase the home or that, whether that money was used to improve the home or whether that money was used for something completely different like vacations or paying off credit card debt or student loan debt or some other means. Yeah, one thing we do know is that if you're going out and buying a car um, and you're using home equity line of credits to do that, that in our estimation, um, and note, this is the caveat that we're going to put with the whole thing is that we're not CPAs and we're not offering tax advice or anything like that. None of us are CPAs in this room. Uh, but, it, you know, there is a situation where it does not appear that that is going to be deductible at all going forward. So a lot of people use their home equity line of credit as a um, really an ancillary credit card. And uh, you're going to have to be a little more careful with that uh, going forward. Yeah, a simple, um, I'll, I'll say mistaken purchase. Um, in other words, a, a purchase that's made on a home equity line of credit that uh, was made without thinking about this change to the tax law could potentially make it so that your home equity loan that you use to purchase the home uh, is now considered to be not deductible because not all of it went to purchase the home. So again, just uh, just a word to, uh, uh, to those out there that are using their home equity lines or are new homeowners uh, that have purchased a home and are not quite sure how, how home equity loans work, be a little careful there because you could take yourself from one category where it is tax deductible and put yourself into another category where it's not tax deductible uh, on, on some kind of one, one-off small purchase, which uh, easily could have been financed in a different way. This is why uh, we do recommend that people seek the counsel of a CPA and get their taxes uh, done by a CPA, um, even though it incurs more cost. And we are anticipating that the tax uh, taxes will get a little more simpler for people taking the standard deduction, uh, especially for those itemizers. They should definitely seek the counsel of a CPA before moving forward on a lot of these strategies. It's never a bad idea to seek uh, professional help. Obviously, we're in the professional industry, but we, uh, while we had this um, kind of line of thinking for as long as, as we've been in the industry to seek out the advice of a uh, professional tax preparer uh, this year and next year as these details start to um, kind of find their way into each and in every one of our uh, tax returns, it's really, really important to make sure that you're getting solid advice. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's been talked about in the tax bill is this whole state, local, and property taxes and what you're limited to for deductions. So for those out there that are itemizing, um, very important to note that state, local, and property taxes are limited to a $10,000 deduction. So on the surface, it seems like a lot, but if you live in a fairly high property tax state, which I would consider Wisconsin to certainly be one of those, you know, you can hit that five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 and more in property taxes pretty quickly since uh, we do have relatively high property taxes versus values. And so a lot of people are going to be capped out at that $10,000 deduction. Um, you know, a lot of our clients will likely be. So uh, that's one thing to definitely note in that tax bill that it will maybe not have as positive an in- impact as people anticipate because all the rates are lower uh, for, for everybody. So, you know, the vast, vast majority of people are going to pay less in tax. That is irrefutable by every study we've seen. Uh, but it's also, you know, looking at it from another side, um, it's not going to be this big boon where you're not going to have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars uh, in your pocket because of this tax reform. I mean, it's going to be a a small tax deduction uh, for almost everybody. 
Yeah, and it, it does um, require people to kind of think beyond just the immediate impact of some of the implications in the bill. For example, if you own a $600,000, $800,000, million-dollar home, and, and obviously very few people do, but of those that do, and you're looking at sell the, selling that home in the, in the coming years, you may want to speak to a realtor because the changes, as Clint alluded to, to uh, what's deductible by way of, of uh, property taxes and mortgage income, or excuse me, mortgage interest, um, may make those homes uh, less, I don't want to say that that'll slow down the uh, um, that the real estate market. I don't know if a couple of tax changes can actually slow it on the real estate market, but at the same time, uh, it is something to be aware of because this is something that people, uh, while before they, they didn't have to necessarily worry about it as much, uh, it's definitely something to be aware of um, when you're either buying a home in that price range or looking to sell a home in that price range, that $10,000 cap uh, starts to get eaten up pretty fast if you're talking about those values. That's it. I guess you're not going to buy your $3 million house this year. Yeah. I was going to. Well, and I, now, no. I, I think that brings to a, a, another point of where you live in the country is really going to make a difference in how you view how this is going to impact your taxes when it comes to things like mortgage deduction. I know I grew up in Washington, D.C. area, and housing prices out there have become inflated over the last 15 to 20 years because of population increase and, you know, the federal government employment, um, you know, jobs, basically. Same thing with the left coast. You go up to New York, um, you know, or out to California, and these areas where housing prices are a lot higher and they're higher tax states. So this could be something where you see those states are more impacted by this, but here in, um, you know, in Dane County, where housing prices have been, been rising over time, and and we tend to be uh, affected less by recessions as much because we've got, you know, kind of a thriving business community here in this county. It could start to see things slow down a little bit if there's a, a pullback, as, as Nate alluded to, in, in the people wanting to purchase those homes. So just something to note. But for, for the majority of people that are here in the central part of the United States or maybe outside of major metropolitan areas, you know, a $750,000, you know, Ma- uh, maximum on the mortgage deduction. Most people have mortgages that are below that amount in terms of the interest they pay, so they'll still be able to deduct. I think that was the scary thing about this as it was going through the media was, you know, this sacred cow is going to be taken and that one. And I would continue to tell clients and friends, let's wait and see what's in the bill. You know, let's wait to see what actually gets signed into legislation, and and then from there decide whether or not it's going to be a benefit, not only to us personally but something that we think that will benefit everyone as a whole in, in, in our country so that we can continue to grow. Yeah, I do think that uh, when they were doing the legislation, they did react significantly to some of the major concerns that people had. Like, for example, you know, as it was originally written, you know, Jonathan, with your four kids, you would have got likely a real bad tax ramification if the original legislation would have gone through and they increased the child tax credit to $2,000, um, kind of mitigating that whole standard deduction piece of it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys think that this is uh, purely coincidental, but, um, you know, with them capping the uh, state and property taxes, local taxes, limited to the uh, $10,000 deduction, um, and it just so happened to be a lot of the uh, blue states and and, uh, states that, you know, I I don't know if that's just kind of a... Just kind of a happenstance, or uh, I don't think anything in Washington D.C. happens because <laughs> of happenstance. I think that was purely bad design, and that's that's apparently how you know. I, I suppose that the you know the, the party that wields power, right? I mean, has the ability to to uh, to kind of use that power as they see fit. So um, let's uh, let's close things out here on the last topic. Let's spend a little bit of time on the corporate tax rate and what that might mean. Um, just to Kind of a uh, kind of basic run through here. Corporate tax rate went from thirty five percent down to twenty one percent. Let's um, 
going to dispel one myth pretty quick here. Um, some people are under the impression that every corporate uh, tax return was at 35%. Uh, the vast, vast majority of corporations in the United States, while the tax rate was at 35%, was not actually paying 35% tax on uh, the revenue that came into their business. So let's let's kind of discuss that first. First of all, most corporations were paying likely in the upper 20s if you had to take an average. So the drop, while large, is not as large as as it would look from 35 to 21, because effectively, uh, you know, a lot of the corporations were paying um, upwards of the, the high 20s, so it went from high 20s to low 20s. Um, Clint, what's uh, what is one impact that we can potentially look at from corporations with that drop in uh, in corporate taxes? Well, there's a couple of different things. I mean, uh, number one, um, there's a chance or there's a thought that uh, companies that have significant overseas operations are going to now flock back to the United States. I guess there's a chance that that somewhat occurs. I think that's probably a slightly overblown. Um, it does impact how corporations are going to organize themselves going forward and whether or not they change their structure. So a lot of companies are passed through entities, meaning that the income uh, really passes through to somebody's personal uh personal taxes. So that's kind of what how Nate and I are organized here with WalknerCon and a lot of service industries are. Um, there was some nuance with that tax bill as well uh, as far as how pass-throughs were going to be able to deduct up, up to a certain amount of income and so on. So it's going to allow a lot of companies to take a look at how they're organized and uh, plan out uh, going in the future how they're going to see themselves as entities. So you're, you're probably going to see more and more companies uh, uh, once they're past that sort of pass-through deduction, they're probably going to change their structure into, uh, you know, like a C-Corp situation. It may lead to additional jobs. It may lead to uh, higher wages for employees. It may lead to better bonus and, and benefit structures for employees. Obviously, we're going to say may on all of those because um, it's not required that that be where the tax savings go from a corporate uh, uh, scenario. But um, hopefully that is where... Uh, some of the, the tax benefit goes because uh, obviously everyday um, citizens would uh, would like to see a little bit more money in their paycheck. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, dependent upon, we talked about it, dependent upon where you live, it also depends upon kind of what age you are and where you're at in um, the cycle. I know for me, finally just finished paying off my student loans and always was able to take a deduction. That is something that students will still be able to deduct up to $2,500 of interest. I know that's something that's important. But one of the key things that is not talked about a lot in this in this because it's dealing with taxes is they did eliminate the mandatory um, insurance uh, that they had to have insurance and the penalty within Obamacare from that original legislation of the Affordable Care Act. So this legislation did actually repeal that portion of it, which you know my belief is going to lead to higher costs and continued higher costs in terms of health insurance for people out there, especially those that um, are paying for their own policies that are outside of group policies. It'll be interesting to see where that does lead and something that I'll be keeping my eye on for, for clients and people out there. I know with having four kids, the healthcare costs continue to go up and up and up. So, And that's a good point that John brings. And, and, and we all know that uh, um, you know the, everything that happens in Washington has kind of a domino effect. It's just the nature of it. It's all interrelated. And so it will be interesting to see um, kind of the, the uh, um, additional effects of, of this tax legislation beyond just the tax uh, ramifications themselves. Obviously, it will reach into the healthcare world. It will reach into 
um, you know, personal spending world. It'll reach into consumer confidence. It'll reach into a lot of places. And so uh, while we can give a, a lot of the information, we hope today that you, you uh, got a lot out of the information we've provided. Um, understand that if you come in and ask additional questions of us in future meetings, we might have to answer those questions with, even though the, the bill has been passed, a, uh, a we'll see to, uh, to the implications that, uh, that might come of this. That's right. Um, and, you know, obviously it's going to take out a lot of planning. We're digesting it here in this office. Um, we don't have all the answers at this point, nor do we have all the strategies done. Um, you know, bef- between now and kind of the end of the year and into early 2018, you know, a lot of the things are going to stay the same. You know, the contribution limits essentially um, stay the same. Uh, you know, 401k is going up slightly, but I mean, you're talking about really minor nuances as far as, um, you know, IRA limits, contribution limits, things like that. So, it's status quo from that perspective, perspective but um, the things that we should look at is, you know, how, what's your income right now? Those brackets, um, the way that they're structured, we can talk to you through that um, and whether or not it makes sense to, you know, do some things that we might not have done in the past. You know, should we convert IRAs to Roth, things like that? So we should involve, um, you should involve your financial advisor with that as well as a, uh, a discussion with your accountant. Yeah, and, uh, you know, with that, please reach out. If you're still listening at this point in the podcast, please reach out if you have questions because we don't have to worry about these changes as we're filing our taxes for 2017. But this will be something that will be important in the planning going into next year. So we've got time to have these conversations with our clients and any prospects out there that would like to talk to us. We'd love to uh, hear from you and to find out if there's a way that we can help you in planning for these changes. That's a great point. Um, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, we encourage your uh, your feedback and your questions. Uh, if you have any additional um, uh, information that you'd like to get face-to-face, by all means, book an appointment. And we will also be following this podcast up with a, uh, a written blog post as well with uh, a bunch of links and attachments so that uh, we can hopefully provide the information that everybody's looking for. So we look forward to talking to you soon, and have a great holiday season. Advisory services are offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Wachner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Wachner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Wachner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see wachnercondon.com for additional disclosures.